Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another Conversations Around the Fire episode on Spirit Reflections, episode 78. My name is Fred Govea. Spirit Reflections is an ongoing series of bilingual conversations in English and Portuguese about people's personal and spiritual journeys, the tools that they found along the way, and how these tools shaped who they are and the work that they do today. We interview artists, philosophers, scientists, and religious people of all traditions to learn how they came into being and the insights that they discovered along the way. If this is your first time here, please like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Simply type Spirit Reflections on YouTube and you'll find a lotus flower, and that's the symbol of our channel. And you can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and on audio podcast platforms like Spotify. And if you'd like to suggest a topic or a guest for the show, please email us at info at spiritreflections.org. And today's guest is a musician and music therapist, Bessie Barth. Bessie has a very long resume and a beautiful career. I'm going to just read a little bit about it. She's part of the national roster of internships a, uh, of the Music to Grow On, which is the organization that she started a beautiful school, which she's going to talk about more for us shortly. And that's affiliated also with the American Music Therapy Association. She provides supervision for students for the University of the Pacific and St. Mary of the Woods College. She also has provided in-services to various groups, including speech therapists, preschool teachers, and parent support groups about the benefits of music therapy. Today's all about music therapy. And in 2007, she completed an advanced training in neurologic music therapy through the Robert Unfecker Academy for Neurologic Music Therapy. So there's a lot of uh, about Betsy, but you can see it at the bottom of the description of this video, which you can see the links for Music to Grow On, Bright Children's International, and other resources that she's going to share. But before we get to all of that, let's learn first about Bessie herself. So Bessie, good evening and welcome. Good evening. Thank you for having me. So Bessie, tell us, take us back to the beginning, how it started, how you got to where you are today. All right. Um, I grew up in a small, or I grew up in a small town in Woodland, California, and um, spent a lot of time at my church doing a variety of different things um, and really loved being involved in music, um, but hadn't had much experience. So when I was in second grade, I had asked my parents, hey, I want to take piano lessons. And they said, well, we can't really afford music lessons. And I said, well, I'm gonna take piano lessons. Well, we can't afford piano lessons. Um, So my mom actually ended up sewing um, clothes for my piano teacher um, in replacement for lessons. And um, wow. I finally got my chance to have lessons, which was very exciting. Um, and through uh, being able to have lessons, then I was involved in my church um, music groups, um, whether that was the worship group or um, performing special special music performances during the service, that type of thing. Um, as I continued to, to take lessons, I had a piano teacher ninth grade year who told me about music therapy and um, said, hey, 
you have the music background, you love working with kids. Have you ever heard of music therapy? Um, no. <laughs> so I began to do any research that I could, any research project in school on music therapy. And the more I studied it, the more I knew that was exactly what I wanted to do. I wanted to take the, the skills that um, I had been given naturally um, and contribute to my, you know, my community and um, to, to others um, to make an impact. So proceeded to go into music therapy. Got it. And so in ninth grade, you have this connection between therapy and music. You were always passionate about music, learning piano from an early age and performing at, at church and in worship. And at what point did you realize that this is what you wanted to do for the rest of your life? Um, the, you know, through high school, I continued to make those research projects. Um, and mm -hmm. every, every step of the way, it was, this is what I wanted to do. So by the time I was 15, it was, yes, music therapy was what I wanted to do. Get me through high school so I can get to college so that I can uh, get this degree. So. Cool. So Bessie, for those of us that have never heard of music therapy as a specialty, give us a little beginner's guide to it. Where would we start? Uh, first of all, music therapy is the use of music to teach non-musical skills. That's the biggest piece of it. Um, you know, a lot of people will say, well, what's the difference between music education and music therapy? Right. Music education, um, your sole purpose is to learn to play an instrument, to sing, um, learn all the techniques. And it's that product of being able to perform. Whereas right. music therapy is looking at the process. So is, um, you know, we're not looking at having a, you know, a professional pianist, right. but rather looking at um, what skills are they learning in the process? Is that working on communication? Is that working on academics? Is it uh, developing emotional um, expression. There are a variety of things within that. So looking at music as the way to teach those skills and then uh, fade out that music so that it's not uh, dependent on um, always having musical prompts within there. Right. So the music is just a tool that you use to advance these motor, emotional, cognitive skills, right? Yes. Got it. And so tell us a little bit more about music to grow on. Helping music individuals to... of all abilities reach their potential through music. All right. Music to Grow On was started in 2000. I ha actually had a woman call me to say, hey, my child is number 75 on a list for music therapy. Um, I'm looking for additional therapists to come contract with a, uh, a program. Are you interested? Uh, that was specifically working with children zero, ages zero to three um, in an early intervention program um, for individuals with special needs. And that was um, one area that I really wanted to work in. So I said, let me know what, um, you know, what that process is. So she w we Her child was on, on 75th on a waiting list. So yes. how long was that going to take? It was going to take quite a while. Uh, so so uh, I decided to go ahead and make that um, that jump to 
offer services through that organization. Uh, and that was the beginning of Music to Grow On, working that zero to three age group. And then as those students developed and moved on to school age, then we developed contracts with the various school districts in our area for IEP services, which is individual education plan. Um, and those services are to help them access their education. Music to Grow On has now expanded to work in long-term care facilities, um, uh, working with adults with intellectual disabilities um, in their care homes, providing pri private music therapy services, as well as our school district services, whether that's individuals or group settings. Nice. Beautiful. And so from zero to three, how does this intervention through the music actually help? Like how, how are you able to sort of measure? And we're going to show some videos later on of actual sessions that Bess Bessie does. But I guess from a, on a, in a general way, how does how do you approach it? Um, it obviously varies from individual to individual because it is individualized to the specific needs of each child that we work with. But looking okay. at what goal areas they're working on, whether that's um, we have, especially in that early intervention when we were working in that population, a lot of individuals with speech delays. So um, when you sing and when you talk, you're using the same muscles, but you're using opposite sides of the brain. So, um, you know, helping those synapses to happen. Also within music, there are um, musical prompts that if I were to sing E-I-E-I, -E you automatically want to sing O oh. from the old McDonald, right? Um, so those, I'm not saying, all right, Fred, say O, oh, but those, those prompts are automatically built in. Also within music, there's your your chorus and your verse, which provides multiple repetitions of, right. of, of a skill. Um, so providing those uh, repetitions is a key in, uh, piece. For individuals with special needs, there have been some, some research projects done on how many repetitions it requires. And sometimes in order to master a skill, it takes up to 2000 repetitions. So if you're providing multiple repetitions in a song multiple times a day, multiple times throughout the week, then those repetitions are going to happen that much more uh, frequently. Um, so that gives one opportunity for developing the communication skills or whatever that other skill may be. I see. Got it. And so it's not about learning an instrument, rather it's using their voice and perceptions of rhythms and singing of songs that will get there, that will achieve these results, right? Right. Sometimes we are including instruments because we may be working on fine motor skills, um, some gross motor skills within some instruments. So maybe we're working on finger isolation. So, you know, utilizing instruments that would require playing a piano to play individual keys is going to help with that finger isolation. Uh, wow. Holding a pick, a guitar pick would work on tripod grasp as it, you're preparing for writing. So there are ways to incorporate instruments in to um, tailor those skills to what we're, we're working on. Got it. So I guess we could show a couple of uh, sessions that you've done. Um, can you walk, tell us a little bit about what we're going to see? Sure. 
which one are we going to do first? We can start whichever, whichever one you want. Um, Let's go ahead and do the coins one. Okay. So um, obviously within you know our daily life, we're making uh, purchases. We need to help our, our, our clients to learn those money skills. Obviously, not many of us actually use money, um, actual money anymore, but it's still an important skill for our clients to learn. So this actually is teaching the value of the coins as well as their names. and. Um, teaching that via a song, so. Cool, let's take a look. Ready? Uh, penny I know is brown. brown. Uh, nickel. Nickel is smooth and fine. Darn. It's small and Corners is big. These are the coins I know. A penny is worth. One stamp. A nickel is worth. Five. A dime is ten. And a quarter is twenty-five. Twenty-five. Awesome. All right. So this individual, he learned so well with the, you know, having the the lyrics of a song, and then we would fade that out so that we aren't actually singing it. So this was at the beginning of, well, towards the middle where we had taught it via the song, he can fill in those blanks. Eventually I can say, how much is a quarter worth? And he can say 25 cents, so. Cool. And in those processes, Bessie, do they start, have you ever encountered uh, situations where people like their age, for example, the one we just saw, actually begin to like compose or sing and create themselves in the process? Sometimes we see that, especially if we're, you know, providing an, a, an opportunity for improvisation, that type of thing. Um, this particular individual will, will start singing in different languages as well, because that is one of his other preferred things to learn. So um, being able to hear you know, sometimes he'll answer in, in Spanish or in, in French. Um, and so just, you know, an, another way for them to, to share their skill set. Got it. Um, and in these interactions, have you noticed things that led you more to start wonder on sort of the more spiritual or the, you know, the sort of mystical side of things? How did that, have you ever had that through the music itself or through the interactions with some of these uh, people that you teach, that you service? Um, some of our individuals, we have seen an increase in communication, okay. um, which then can move into, you know, more of emotional expression and those types of things that sometimes we don't see in other places. I have an individual that uh, has worked on expressing her her feelings and we've taught those identified those feelings as she sh you know shows those within a session connecting those with a song and then giving her the language to to express hey i'm feeling upset today uh, um, and so being able to have and you know giving her the option to say hey i i don't want this today and have that communication um, and that um, autonomy within in sessions is really important. Nice. We interviewed, and I'm going to put a link at the bottom of the video on YouTube. We interviewed Michael Rosato Bennett, who was a director of a documentary uh, film that won the Sundance uh, Audience Choice Award a few years back called Alive Inside. 
which takes place in all of these uh, memory care facilities and nursing home places where the elderly patients are in advanced stage dementia and Alzheimer's. And all of a sudden they start playing music, especially music that they were fond of in their childhood years. And all of a sudden, not only do they start remembering again, they start to sing the lyrics, they start to dance, they start to, to, to hum the tune, but it seems to have a sort of halo effect that lasts a few minutes after this activity is over, where they'll recall their names, their family, their parents, and then slowly, gradually begins to fade again, and they go back to their normal state. So I was just curious if that's why I wanted to see what you can comment on that related to the work that you do. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, our memory of music is one of the last memories that we lose. And that's why music is so important within memory care, um, because you can link to some of those past experiences and then, you know, work on some of that um, getting back into reality um, type things. Um, we don't work as much with that with the population that we work with um, because you know we're working with with younger individuals and we're working um, more specifically with their academic and their education helping them access their education and their communication but we do see that correlation that providing them with those opportunities to connect with the music um, provides those memory cues for them, whether that's to remember to um, go through the steps to complete their cooking experience or remembering the steps for their um, your daily living skills, those types of things as well. So um, there are ways that we can contribute to the, that, those memories. So it's almost like they have a list of daily chores they have to accomplish on their own. And so if, if you teach them how to sink through them, maybe there's a better chance that they'll remember it, that kind yes. of thing? Yeah, I have a student that is currently working on learning five different recipes that he's supposed to be able to be able to complete on his own. Uh, they're very, very simple. And one of them is to make a quesadilla. So I uh, got the steps from his teacher who you know broke down, okay, we're gonna do this and then we're gonna do this and we're gonna do this. If you ask him just by following the pictures that the teachers provided, hey, what do you do first? He's not able to tell you. So I asked him what song he wanted to to do to help him to remember. He identified um, Make a Man Out of You from the musical Mulan. Um, And so we adapted the words to that song to be the... Um, steps to his making a quesadilla. Oh, that's he can awesome. sing through the whole entire song. And then when I ask him, hey, what's first? He's able to identify that with that process. Uh, I, this is the first time I'm hearing that uh, of this methodology, right? Which I think is really cool. You ask the person a, a song that they already know that they like, and then you just substitute the lyrics out into these directions. That's really cool. Well, and they're more motivated if it's music that they are selecting. We yeah. want, we, Uh, definitely focus on client preferred music um, and making sure also that that is an age appropriate. Like I'm not going to sing old McDonald to work on a vocalization with an 18 year old, but at, Hey, you know, how about Katy Perry and Roar? There are vocalizations within that that are very much appropriate that you may be working, targeting that same type of sound, but it is in a much, much more age appropriate way. Cool. 
Speaking of different age groups, John asks, what about emotional management of anger for a seven or eight-year-old? Um, this is something we have a number of kids that um, have some aggression based on anger. Uh, a lot of times what we will do is we will redirect some of that anger into an instrument playing um, intervention where, hey, let's let's um, do some drumming. Um, you know, then we're getting that sensory input. We're getting um, a way to express that anger in an appropriate manner, um, as opposed to lashing out on a, another individual or, you know, being aggressive towards, you know, hitting a wall and uh, putting your fist into it. Um, so doing some of that, but then also working on the identifying of those emotions and expressing those emotions in an appropriate way, modeling that within the songs that we're, we're doing. Like, um, I, you know, the individual that I was talking about earlier, um, her song for Mad was an adaption to um, a song, I'm here to remind you of the mess you left when I got mad. Um, so, um, oh, you're feeling mad. And so giving them the words to identify those emotions. Catherine asks, what about CP? What's CP? Cerebral palsy. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So, um, we we work with a lot of individuals on with cerebral palsy, working on fine motor development, and um, you know, being able to um, manage their fine motor and gross motor skills within um, our sessions as well. Cool. Um, I'm trying to think here of. Uh a population that I am very fond of and very passionate about. I've done a lot of volunteer playing for veterans and with, with a group of musicians and just to see that they go through a lot of PTSD. I wonder what has been your experience, you know, working with that population with music and sort of allowing them to express their feelings and, you know, going through a therapeutic process to somehow, um, work through the, the emotions that they've experienced, the traumas in a music therapy-like setting, how, how that's like. Um, that is something that music therapists work on. Unfortunately, it's not an area that I have spent a ton of time. Um, my passion has been more with younger children, but I do know within, um, within working with veterans and working with PTSD, there are you know a lot of, you know, song analysis type things, um, also working on songwriting to kind of express those, the, you know, working through some of that, that trauma. Um, also having outlets for, you know, for veterans, a lot of times having that outlet of instrument play is a great way, you know, and it may be an adaptive lesson um, type thing where they're actually learning to play an instrument so that they have an outlet that has a positive effect as well. Right. So it's, it's almost like they're, they're not able to have a conversation with the therapist at some point because they're so sort of closed off because of the trauma. So maybe one way to allow them to express would be maybe exp you know write up, write a poem or write a song, or maybe I'll get my guitar. I'll start, doing a chord progression here. Do you want to hum along a melody? And maybe we get to, to your emotions like that, basically, yes. right? Yes, yes. 
cool. Now, I wonder, uh, Bessie, today, 2022, how is music therapy viewed in schools? As I know that you do a lot of work with schools, and I, I, I imagine from what you're telling me that it's a very valuable tool, especially for the children that are struggling in other subjects, to then sort of run to you and your team to have those skills developed so that they can go back to the subjects and retain and and develop and perform better right so i'm mm -hmm. wondering where where is music therapy in that sense today all right so music therapy has been around since um, world war ii um, but within the special education world um, public law 94192 um, was i believe it's I'm, forgetting my exact dates, but around 1978, I believe, um, uh, music therapy was listed as what's called a related service when uh, within the IEP, which is the individual education plan. Within that, um, music therapy as a related service would provide um, assistance to individuals who are not making significant progress within their Know, current services. So if a student is receiving speech therapy and, uh, you know, physical therapy, but they're not meeting their, you know, their goals, then music therapy is brought in um, as an additional resource for those mm -hmm. individuals to look at, hey, how can music therapy support this individual? Um, a lot of times within our assessments, we see that uh, music provides a significant assist in because of the way we're presenting the the skill set with music. Um, they're able to recall or they're able to focus for longer. Um, we're seeing a significant assist within the support of those those IEP goals, and so music therapy then is added to the IEP as part of that process. Um, so. You know, as I said, music therapy has been, you know, listed for a really long time, but in in California, music therapy was not added in, into actual being able to be provided officially um, until 2014. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. Um, so music therapy has been in some APs since, you know, early to or early, late 1990s, I believe. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but it has been through a lot of work from a lot of um, my fellow colleagues, um, you know, promoting music therapy and getting into, you know, you know, presenting to the, the government to, to make yeah. sure that those services are provided. T so tireless uh, champions and trailblazers that are advocating for the cause yes. constantly, yes. right? Yes. So I mean, I've, you've seen a lot in pop culture, the notion being romanticized in many films of the struggling public school music teacher where the funding is always being cut or, or they're threatening to cut it next year and all of the rallying cries of the community to keep that music program alive. Is there something similar that has been done for music therapy or in pop culture or some kind of reference like that that we could appreciate? Um there, you know, there are always ways that we're trying to promote music therapy. Fortunately, with music therapy within the IEP setting, that's federal funding. Right. Um, so, you know, it, it's not as easily cut, um, but it's always something that we're always looking at. How can we, you know, continue to educate um, the population on, you know, the benefit of it to make sure that it does not get cut because for some of our 
our individuals. It is, you know, the, the thing that's helping kind of right. bring everything together. Um, okay. I know that there are, you know, we're looking at funding sources for within hospital settings, within music therapy, um, looking, you know, music therapy is integral part in hospice as well. Um, and sometimes getting that funding can be a challenge. So always looking at ways to continue to educate the, you know, our communities on the importance of music therapy. Right. Because I think that what happens too is that the music education part for learning an instrument or performing can sometimes be perceived as just sort of a leisure or an elective or sort of a extracurricular activity. And from what you're telling me that I gather is music therapy does not fulfill that role. It's actually more on the I, it's even clinical medical front where individuals that don't necessarily choose it but need it then mm -hmm. are introduced to it and then they're able to thrive through it, right? Right. But on that same note, if we don't have the music programs, then how are we going to have future music therapists, right? Exactly. Um, so, you know, we need the, the, you know, the music students that will then go into the music programs because you need musicians for music therapy. Um, so um, having both pieces is an important piece. Right. And so music therapists usually will play an instrument or two and, and sing. Is that usually the criteria? So music therapists need to show profici proficiency in piano, guitar and voice at a minimum. Mm -hmm. um, most music therapists have one primary instrument. My primary instrument is piano. Um, others, you know, their primary instrument may be the bassoon, but they're also having to show that proficiency in being able to play piano, play guitar, and be able to sing. Because obviously a lot of what I do is I'm, I'm teaching via song. Um, right. So you need to be able to carry a melody. Also, a piano is not extremely um, portable. <laughs> um, right. So a, a guitar, you know, like I said, prime, my primary instrument is piano, but I definitely play more guitar than cool. I do piano. So, And I think you're definitely tapping into an ancient tradition of humanity because as we sit around this virtual fire here on this backdrop, the whole idea of this channel was inspired by exactly this image of gathering around at the end of the day on around the fire in nature with the community and to sing and to laugh and to exchange ideas and i wonder how many thousands of years humanity was much more auditory driven and learned through oral tradition by having by having sacred texts and, and myths and tales being handed down to the next generation through the spoken word and who knows through the sung word, right, which mm -hmm. helps mm -hmm. to retain the story even more. So it, it's, it seems to me that we need to have more of that in our core curriculum, in our schools, as something that's not just for those that need it, but for those that can all can have the experience, right? Right. And um, in connection with that, um, you know, having that experience as an outlet as well. I know growing up, um, my mom knew when I was stressed or I was procrastinating because I'd be at the piano and she could tell by the way I was playing my emotions and, you know, having those type of outlets um, to be able to express yourself um, is, is definitely in, in, um, important. 
think is what we see it, uh, a lot that being emphasized a lot in like Montessori schools or the Rudolf Steiner, the Waldorf method is really encouraging those expressive traits in children so that they can really create based on how they're feeling and what they're thinking, right? Um, I want to show another one. We were talking earlier about anger management and expressing that kind of emotion through drumming. Um, not necessarily this is a case of that, but there is a, there is drumming here in this video. So I wanted to just have you take us, tell us what we're going to see here before I show. All right. So this individual is working on learning his address. Um, again, um, we want to uh, give our, our clients all of the resources that they need. Um, it is important for an adult being out in the community, if he were to get lost, to be able to say, hey, my address is, you know, if a police officer were to say, hey, who, you know, who are your parents? What is your address? So this is actually teaching him through, through rhythm what um, his address is. And you will see the, the Padding, this is actually one of my therapists on staff, um, padding the rhythm as that cue. So if you wanted to go ahead and pull cool. that up. All right, let's see it. Can you play the drum with me? Repeat after me. 90. 90. 38. 38. Keep a roll over. Okay. Where do you live? Oh, what's your address? Good job. Beautiful. Yeah, you can see like, you know, at first he didn't answer it as she as she padded the rhythm. It was that was that that auditory cue of, oh, that's right. That, that was 1938 um, so that you he could hear that that difference in be able to there's definitely that. a way that our brain functions in the recall of smell and auditory cues which is so powerful i mean you hear one chord of a song and depending on how that chord is played immediately a person will recognize the tune and same thing with with smells and scents and fragrances it just brings you to so many memories right mm -hmm. um go ahead sorry um, I was just going to um, mention that one of our clients um, definitely cues into those um, the melodic cues um, to the point that I had to actually change my intervention because I was actually prompting the the repeated response when I wanted a different response. So I had to change my melody um, to reflect, you know, it was actually teaching time. Um, and I, you have, I believe, a video on this, but for this student, I taught it via one thing and then, uh, and it was to work on o'clock. And then I was then producing, you know, starting to work on the half hour and the quarter hours. And my musical prompt was the one for o'clock. So he was always answering o'clock. So I then taught him changing it to a different melody. And as soon as I changed the melody, you could see the light bulb go off of, oh, this is a different answer because she sang it differently. And as soon as I gave him that change of melody, he was able to, to understand the, the difference and actually master the skill. So this is the video we're gonna watch next, uh, teaching the different time of the day and the different activities, right? Mm -hmm. So let's see, here we go. Oops, here we go. One o'clock, two o'clock, three o'clock, four o'clock, six 
10, 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock, we're gonna wreck around the clock tonight. When the red dance past the six, hand points to 30. What time is it? What do you do at 6.30? It is time to wake up. It is time to wake up. Very nice job all the way over here, right? Time to wake up at 6.30. Very cool. <laughs> so, Bessie, you're based in California. Music to Grow On is expanding to help many individuals from all uh, different abilities and ages to reach their potential through music. And uh, You're definitely in the school uh, areas. And you're taking this work abroad, right? Tell us a little yes. bit about that. All right. So myself and one of our other therapists, Amy Murakami, um, uh, developed what's called Bright Children International. And Bright stands for bringing resources to inspire growth, healing, and transformation. And this started by taking music therapy to Bulgaria and China, um, where we were going into orphanages and showing the potential for individuals with special needs. Because in much of the world, um, individuals with special needs are put in orphanages and not provided a whole lot of services. And so we wanted to highlight that um, individuals do have quite the potential um, and provide training to care providers as well as um, the community on the benefits of working with individuals with special needs. We started with the music therapy, but then we have expanded that out to be able to take a full entire team. Our largest team was 19 individuals, and that included social work, physical therapy, occupational therapy, speech therapy, um, behaviorists, music uh, all therapists. In, all in one trip. All in one trip. Um, wow. And um, what's the other one that I'm missing? Water therapy, as well as there's one more that I'm, oh, and teachers, special education teachers. So provide, you know, coming in, providing uh, training and resources, um, as well as equipment. Uh, we were able to donate Hoyer lifts as well as walkers, that type of thing to a variety of places. So Bright has been to a, you know, a number of countries. We've been to Bulgaria, Bosnia, China, Nicaragua, Guatemala, Ecuador, Peru. Wonderful. Maybe like, you should go oh, to, to, to Brazil next. Oh, hey, if we have trip. a connection in Brazil, we'd be happy to go. We are working on um, gathering a team to head back to Ecuador um, in 2022. We were supposed to go in 2020. Um, so we are hoping that uh, we are able to go this year to return to an orphanage that we went to in 2018 to continue to follow up on the training that we provided to provide additional training and to see um, what impact we can can make um, this time That's around. Beautiful. I left a comment here for people to donate. There's a PayPal link on the Bright Children's International website where you can make donations for to support their work and the donations so that they can help people all over the world and children that are in these orphanages to uh, have these skills so that they can develop themselves through music therapy, art therapy, occupational therapy, on all these different um, fronts that Bessie described, which is really, really beautiful work. 
Um, John makes here a comment, which I really like. We should incorporate music therapy into teaching other academic courses. I would definitely be have benefited from learning math through song mm -hmm. since I was so bad at it and I constantly kept failing it. And had I been given a teacher who would take equations and functions <laughs> and formulas and put them, put them into song, I'm sure I would not be the only one benefiting in class. I'd be getting more A's. Right. And we do um, have an opportunity to work on some academics. You know, uh, we work a lot on reading comprehension, uh, mm -hmm. which is, a, you know, obviously a very important um, skill. And it's a lot more exciting to sing a song, you know, read a song story. We can provide those musical cues to remember the information. Um, and it, you know, provides a different, you know, method of doing things. So definitely, um, I know... Um, actually, the, the student w that we just saw, he learned all of his states and capitals via a song. Um, and, wow. and you can still to this day ask, you know, name a state, he will be able to tell you the, um, the capital and vice versa. Um, so there are definitely, you know, there's actually a website um, called songsforteaching.com. Mm -hmm. uh, which actually has music for a variety of academics um, based on uh, Common Core that, mm -hmm. um, you know, teach a variety of different skills. Some, uh, some of the songs are, you know, maybe not as exciting, but, you know, history, history uh, science, there are a variety of different songs that are on That's there. That's terrific. Uh, so... Yeah, imagine when, when teachers can have that creativity and the, and the flexibility in their curriculum and in the school setting and with all the, the, the pressures that they have to also abide by to have a foreign language being taught through music or math being taught through song. I think there's something there. I'd love to explore further. That's really cool. Mm -hmm. um, there, and also, I believe the student that was able to memorize all the 50 capital states uh, through a song is this one here, right? Yes, it is. Beautiful. And here you're, you're playing a song. And tell, tell, me, tell me a little bit about this. So this particular picture was um, actually a sensory break. He was having a hard time focusing on his academics. So let's, let's get up and let's move around. Um, and then once he was able to get some of that movement out, then he was able to then be able to sit, sit back down and um, and focus on his other things. Yeah, I, I believe that Plato was the one that said that the ideal uh, balance to, to be achieved in life is to have a combination of music and gymnastics. Gymnastics for the body, music for the soul. That way you keep both in balance and in, in harmony. So that does make a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. um, I wanted to uh, leave you, uh, Bessie, with some of last remarks. You know, this is a channel that we talk about spirituality, that we talk about people's personal and spiritual journeys and sort of insights that we gather on, on the way that have been able to help you uh, do what you do every day better. So sort of some last words about that and then uh, where people can sort of learn more about music therapy if they're interested in pursuing that also. Okay. Um, just some, you know, Using for me, mu using music as an outlet is such an important piece of you know that's where my downtime is. Um, having a you know a chance to interact with others uh, within music is another important piece of using music um, to interact with others as well as having 
time to do something that you enjoy. Um, so definitely looking at those things. Also thinking outside the box on how music can be used um, is a lot of what we're doing. Um, you know, um, looking at how a student responds to music and meeting them where they are um, is so important. Um, so just always being looking, you know, always looking for those opportunities to throw in music in a, in a different avenue um, is important. Um, in order to pursue a music therapy degree, you can check out the American Music Therapy Association website, which has a lot of information. There are um, about a hundred different schools in the nation that provide a minimum of a bachelor's of music therapy, but there are also master's and PhD programs. Um, mm -hmm. Uh, so that's definitely something to look at. Um, and then, you know, beyond that, there are additional trainings like the, um, the neurologic music therapy training through the Uncafer um, Foundation. Uh, those are definitely some additional pieces that help to, to tailor our interventions and looking at how you know, that one in particular is how our body responds neurologically to music um, and how to to support the, the research, you know, that is within music therapy, continuing to expand that and look at that as well. Got it. So as as musicians who are performance uh, performers and they go to music school in order to learn a skill on an instrument or to in order to then come into the workforce and perform that instrument as a result like we were speaking earlier, what are some tools that you could maybe give or advice for those uh, musicians that are out there and maybe want to pivot and maybe want to do a transition into music therapy? Uh-huh. So yes. music therapy, um, within the education, there are actually what are called equivalency programs. So you can apply, if you have a performance degree, then all you would need to take were those music therapy um, coursework pieces that you didn't have. But a lot, you know, within a performance major, there are a lot of similarities. The, the music history, the, the theory, the ear training, those are all pieces that are within a music therapist training. Right. Um, but then the, the psychology of music and just how, um, you know, the, the specifics of music therapy and looking at that research within music therapy with children and music therapy with adults and, um, you know, looking at special education, learning all of those pieces are those additional coursework um, that would go into play. Um, there's a ton of research um, that the American Music Therapy Association has done. Um, Journal of Music Therapy as well as the Music Therapy Perspectives are both um, two publications that are research-based or, you know, research uh, journals for, for music therapy specifically, but then there are also a ton of research articles in music therapy that are not done by the Journal of Music Therapy. And I guess the last question I'll ask, because that's something I'm very interested in, is regarding the field of like mental health related to like people with depression or with bipolar disorder, disorder or with you know, even uh, risks of committing suicide and things like that, how does music therapy apply to helping those people in, in those cases? Um, it, you know, very similar hitting on a little bit of, you know, when we talked about veterans with PTSD, you're looking at, you know, finding 
you know, communication of current, you know, where their emotional state is, as well as identifying outlets that are, you know, positive outlets. Um, again, working on that communication piece of that, whether that's through songwriting, uh, through lyric analysis. I know during my internship, my um, my internship was actually with um, adolescents um, in a um, psychiatric facility, and it was, um, you know, really looking at, okay, let's take music that you're listening to and let's, what's happening when you're listening to that music. Ah, and, um, you know, being that back, back door in, cause you're not just going to sit down and talk about, Hey, this is what's going on. But if we, you know, discuss the, the emotions within the song that you're listening to and then identify what your emotions are and correlating those types of things, then it's a, a good connection in. I see. So far, uh, one of the jobs of the music therapist in that setting is to sort of do a little investigation and find what is on that person's playlist and then start to sort of add on to that to see if they can eventually start talking about what they're going through themselves. Right. And hopefully yes. work through it. Awesome. Well, I learned a lot today and I'm really grateful that you had the chance to come here. Bessie, thank you so much for your time. Thanks everybody for uh, being here around the fire on spirit reflections. This will be available on YouTube in the same link and also available on audio uh, podcasts and also consider supporting music to grow on.net and bright children's international, which I hope eventually makes it to Brazil very soon. And if there's anything I can do to help with that, we can talk afterwards. I'd be honored. And um, Sabrina Jackson has a final comment here. She says, music therapy has been so vital to the growth of the students that receive this service at my school. Awesome, Sabrina. Thank you so much for being here, for sharing it. I'm, I'm sure there's tons of testimonials like that. So here's a world of more music, more music therapy so that we can reach our fullest potential. Bessie, thank you so much again. And thank I hope you to very see much. you soon. Take All right, care, thank everybody. you. Bye-bye.